Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs Kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. Hour number two here, live from the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, inside the luxurious sportsbook powered by William Hill, Brian Benowitz, Frank Harnish, yours truly, T.C. Martin here, Nunchuck, our engineer, our crack engineer, and Quake back in the studio making it all happen here for you on a Friday. It's a football Friday. You know this is our home every Friday as we get ready for our best bets. You can check out those on the website at tcmartinshow.com along with ourselves and the rest of our crew, Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, and Adam Joseph from Opportunity Village, our great charitable partner, not only with our show, but the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas and everywhere else as well, too. So a great day here. It's Friday. We're ready for the weekend. We've got divisional playoffs, two games tomorrow, two games on Sunday. Love this time of year. The only thing I miss in Double B is college football's over, and we were last weekend was great because we had, for the first time in the NFL, we had the super wild card weekend. We had three games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and of course the highly anticipated national championship game Monday between Alabama and Ohio State. We've been talking about the tide. Can't put a number there big enough for uh, for them, uh, you know, not to cover. And uh, they did take care of business, uh, whipping Ohio State uh, Monday night. What were your thoughts when you were watching the game? TC, how many games in a row have they scored 35 points or more? Well, it was 24 in a row oh. until they didn't do it against Notre Dame. Oh, they, gotcha. They, they fell short. So yes, they only got 31. Yeah, right? exactly. Basically so, called off the dogs. They called, yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, we my, now go back, what, 24 to the last 25 games. You know, I, I, I took the dog last week, uh, really just on, on, a, on a very small wager. But it was, it was one of those things that I was just hopeful that they could be in the game. Uh, I didn't think we'd see an offense as good as LSU's offense uh, for quite some time. And we might have seen one every bit as good, if not better. The skill receivers... Uh, positions at Alabama. Uh, who was number four? The running back that came in. He's a starter. Robinson. On, on, yeah. He's a starter on, on 95% of the team. Every team, yeah. like a beast. Yeah. Uh, and then just you'll just see all, him a lot next year. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. all the 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 wideouts, uh, the use of the tight end. They just were. They were just so much better. And 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 Ohio State hung with them. But defensively, their scheme was so poor. It's like they didn't even look at a film. Uh, and, and realize, hey, that guy won the Heisman Trophy. Oh, let's guard him with a, a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> let's single cover him for an entire half. The guy gets 12 receptions, 200 yards, 200-plus yards, a couple of touchdowns, yeah. and they had to break his hand in order to, to get him out of the game. <laughs> it, was, it was a pathetic display by the Buckeyes. Should've it was a lack sooner. of preparation. <laughs> Their defensive mindset was <laughs> awful. And yeah. so Alabama took full advantage of it, and, uh, you know, they rolled. So uh, congratulations to the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
And TC for beating me in that game, and uh, I thought I had you maybe uh, make it up some ground that time. But uh, Alabama was by far the better team, and and Justin Fields he did everything he could, but he just he didn't have the guns. And uh, once it once it was a pass on every down, you know the running back went down, and Master Teague played okay. But uh, once he was just back there, that that who's 58 for Alabama, that linebacker he had a <laughs> heck of a game, and they, they were just teed off, and he just was kind of lobbing no, the ball. The, out the there. depth of Alabama. We talk about Devonte Smith uh, who won the Heisman Trophy and. You know, the broken hand, but it, it didn't matter because you had, again, you had Waddle, who, and we got to remember, Devontae Smith got, not that he got in the lineup, but again, you know, you, you had Ruggs and you had the, the great wide receiver, Jerry Judy, Judy last yeah. year. And so these guys have just been waiting in the wings, waiting to step up, just like Najee Harris uh, has been. And so again, Alabama with the factory, just, you know, next person that steps up. You mentioned Robinson coming in oh. to spell Najee Harris, and he's averaging seven, eight yards a crack. And then how about uh, uh, Mechie, yeah. the wide receiver? I mean, he's been there all year as well, too. And then Waddle comes back, and he's like a foregotten c- conclusion. Yes, uh, and we talked about it with Trevor Manich this past week, and he didn't think we would see a better offense than LSU's last year. And he goes, no, it's no comparison. Alabama's offense is the best that we've ever seen in college football. And my question here is, is this a – and I think I know, you know, I know how I feel. Are we going to be saying this next year with somebody else, whether it's Clemson, it's Alabama, it's somebody else, maybe it's Ohio State, whatever, because this is just the trend that we're seeing in college football right now, how offenses just dominate, and every year the yardage goes up and the points per game goes up. But, uh, yeah, I, LSU last year, Alabama this year. What, who's next year? Who, who knows? All I know is that was an exciting and really impressive offense. And you can't I mean, make a total high enough anymore. You, you 75 can't. and a half. And they just blew through that. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> so. I mean, I think there was an eight-minute drive or something that people were like, oh, maybe they won't get there. Then all right. of a sudden you looked up and it was well, way past it. Right. Um, Matt Jones, what do you think of him? Do you, is he an NFL-caliber quarterback, or did he just have the skill players and an exceptional offensive line to get it done this year? I think he is an NFL quarterback, especially of the quarterbacks that we've seen uh, that are able to start and get significant playing time. And I point to, you know, the John Waffords of the world, this and that. I mean, these guys that come out of these type of programs, Alabama's a pro-ready system. And Mac Jones had to sit and wait. And if you go back and look at Mac Jones' career, he was great in high school. He could have went anywhere he wanted to. And when he gets to to Alabama, all he did was sit behind Jalen Hurts and Tua and just waiting for his opportunity. But if you talk to people who have seen him, you know, work out and play, they say this guy is just a matter of time because he does have the smarts. He does have the skill set. What you see with, with Mac Jones is he's got that pocket discipline. He's a smart guy. And he was just waiting for his opportunity. And I think, yes, he could be better. I will take him over Justin Fields. I'm not just saying that from what we saw in the one game, but we've talked about Fields uh, during the course of the last couple seasons. Again, I think Mac Jones could be a better quarterback. But as we know, it really depends on who you get with in the NFL, what kind of develop a you know, uh, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and head coach, and uh, what you have around you. So, yes, I think if he gets with the right team, I think he could be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I I had a different take because his receivers are so open. Right. The schemes that they ran were so good. The defensive backs are so tight in the NFL, and you got to make those decisions quick because those defensive linemen are on you, and he's slow afoot. I mean, uh, he's not he, a runner. There's no he's doubt. not a runner by any means, and you worry about a guy like that because you got a guy like Joe Burrow, who who throws the same similar ball. 
very catchable balls, balls that are out there for his receivers. They like that. He doesn't fire it through you. And, uh, but he's a little quicker. Yeah. And, and Burrow went to a system that was a little difficult, got injured. Who knows what's going to happen with him. I Hopefully he comes back. Uh, Mac Jones, we'll see. We'll see. You know, a lot of times we had that mentality like the, uh, throughout the 80s and 90s when the, the quarterbacks, the, the Andre Wears from Houston and things like that. Right. They put up these gaudy numbers because they had guys all over the place. They right. get to the NFL and they can't produce. So we'll see. I think you're right, though. He has to get into a system where he might sit behind somebody for a couple of years oh, yeah. and learn and get ready to go and then hopefully get the line that's, that's there. But for right. me, just for one second, the accuracy factor to me when you're evaluating a quarterback means everything. That's why I like Jalen Hurts so much at Alabama. This guy was completing 70, over 70% of his passes, and he goes to the Eagles which is probably one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive line in all the NFL. But he was still able to complete a high percentage when just he just got thrown in there. You know what I mean? So I, I think, again, you know, give a guy time, give him time to mature and develop. But I, I like the skill set and the mentality this guy, Mac Jones, already has already. I think he can only get better. But the, the numbers that he put up, I don't care who you have around you. And still, it's the SEC. It's the best competition. You can say what you want. Well, it was a little bit down. But you're still facing the best competition week in and week out. And you just cannot ignore those numbers. No, I, I, I'm not saying he wasn't a great college yeah. quarterback. He had an incredible year, probably a Heisman Trophy winning year, yeah. if it wasn't for his receiver, uh, Smith. I just think that, you know, you, in the NFL, you don't have that three, four seconds and guys three, four yards open to find your guys to do it. Yep. And, and we'll see if he is quick enough to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I think that his lack of speed, and if he's in his, pro, uh, his pre- uh, progression, yeah. If he's in the wrong system, he could get taken out rather quick. I'll so tell you what I, I wouldn't go with him in a first round. Didn't, you know, he, he may be a first rounder, but uh, getting to a team like maybe New England or somewhere like that, then uh, I'll, I'll say that because I, I like him better than Jared Stidham and definitely Cam Newton's not going to be coming back. There's probably going to be a spot. But, yeah, if you go to a team like the Jets or whatever, then, yeah, if you get thrown in the fire right away, forget about it. But I think he'll go late enough where he could be a – a, a quality backup for somebody and get time to learn. Yeah, so. well, that, that, that's what he has to do, yeah. I, I believe, in yeah. order to be I successful. Think be, but I'll, I like him. I do, yeah. I'm kind of on the same page as Brian here because I am in a wait-and-see mode. When you have that many weapons, and like we mentioned, even with a guy like Smith who won the Heisman when Ohio State still wasn't close to covering him, he had to make one tough catch in the game, and it wasn't a ball that was thrown incredibly accurate, but Smith made the adjustment and made the catch. I want to see what he's like when he is chased out of the pocket. You mentioned that he's a good pocket passer. In the NFL, you can't always do that. Being a little bit slow afoot, what's it going to be like when he has to make decisions under pressure with the defensive back there? Is he going to know to throw it out of bounds? Is he going to try to force the ball? Um, It is a different game in the NFL. You mentioned, TC, that you think that he's a, a better prospect than Fields, and maybe he is, but Fields has that running ability and the escape ability, and I still think Fields' thumb hasn't been right all season long, so I don't know how he's going to perform but it's different when you have that much time and that many weapons every single down he might have all the talent in the world he didn't even necessarily have to put that on display at Alabama so I don't know where he goes but I do know one thing if you're the quarterback of a national championship team your goal isn't to be a backup quarterback in the NFL he wants to be a starter someplace I don't know that he's ever going to be a quality NFL starter could he be 
possibly, yeah. but one of the knocks on Alabama for all the years that they've been great, and it's changed recently with some of the guys they've had out come out, like you mentioned, with Hurts and with Tua. They used to be great, but they never necessarily had superstar quarterbacks that went on to Hall of Fame oh, NFL right, careers. Right. Now that's changing a little bit. Is Jones going to be one of those guys? I have to see more in game situations where he's got pressure, not when he can just sit back there and have a cup of coffee, wave to a girl in the stands, and then throw the pass to a wide-open yeah. receiver. See, for me, it's all about the decision-making, and that's why, as you guys know, I was never a big Tua fan. Even though Tua had all of the weapons that he had in Alabama, the decision-making factor was questionable for him. It, it was. Jalen Hurts it was a better decision-maker. He was more accurate, and that's why I, I liked you know, hurts over Tua. And I still don't think that Tua can be a quality quarterback for, for a lot of those same reasons. Where Mac Jones, I see him more along the lines of a hurts being able to uh, not panic and, uh, you know, not force throws and make good decisions. So only time will tell. But we know one thing. <laughs> Alabama's, gonna, <laughs> you know, they're not going anywhere for any time soon. And, you know, a lot of credit has got to go to Nick Saban. And real quick, Brian, just before we... We, we leave the college thing here, too, and Frank and I were talking about this. What I like about Alabama is Nick Saban because you don't see all the posturing with this team. You don't see the crazy antics. This team acts like they've been there before. You know, when they get in the end zone, you know, they're not committing the stupid personal fouls for the most part, you know. They get a sack. They're not doing the dance. The wide receivers aren't, you know, you don't see uh, Devontae Smith signaling first down or whatever. I mean, these guys – and that goes to Nick Saban and his program that he runs. These guys are ultra prepared for everything they do. And I love seeing a system like that. I love seeing a coach like that. I love seeing a program like that. And I, and I wish that we would have more programs like that. Well, uh, Nick Saban pays his uh, assistant coaches a, a ridiculous amount of money. They are a football factory down there. Uh, he can recruit anybody from all over the country. Uh, I loved what Nick Saban said after the game, how proud he was of this team. This team had overcome. They had Waddle come back. Waddle didn't need to come back. Right. You know, he's limping all over the field. I would actually thought, oh, my God, don't get this guy hurt. His ankle is still broken. But the team wanted to come back. They had guys that could have gone pro. But this team wanted to get there because, you know what? It's been three years. Uh, Clemson blew him out a few years ago, and they still that's, that's got to be eating him up. They didn't get there last year. And uh, he, they, this team wanted it. They put all their egos aside, and they went out there and took care of business, and they took care of business in a big way. So uh, hats off to Alabama. Saban's done a great job. Now he's got to find another offensive coordinator, which uh, I'm sure he'll do just fine. I was a little surprised Texas uh, got rid of Herman, but, you know, you know, whatever. They, they just they like to get rid of their coaches. Much, they don't have much patience there yeah, in Texas. Yeah, I mean, they like to get rid of their coaches. I mean, he yeah. had a good end of his season, and uh, I think he'll land up some, somewhere pretty good. Yeah, they also have to replace a ton of players, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for them like it was for LSU after winning a championship, and then this year they did fall back. It seems like, you know, if there's ever a team out there that people say they don't have to rebuild, they just reload, that seems to be Bama. But they're losing a ton of talent this year. Don't make any mistake about that. Yeah, and Nick Saban does turn 70 this year, so yeah. how much longer? I mean, he seems like he's in great shape. He yeah. seems like he's got a great mind. He's fiery as heck out there, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> the guy's into every play. They're up by 40. He's yelling at somebody for missing a tackle or something or a block. Uh, He's he's into it, and he runs that team like he's a CEO. Right. No uh, you know he's he he he's got his people doing what they're supposed to be doing, and uh, you know uh, it, it's it was a masterful performance by Alabama on Monday night, and they deserve to win. And Ohio State, 
again, I, I don't know what they were looking at because they were ill-prepared. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback next year. Yeah. I mean, they have they have a real good young recruit. I think the number one quarterback in the country, but he's going to be a freshman. And there was a reason that Fields, they were hell-bent on keeping him in those games, injury or no injury, because they didn't have trust in their backups this season. All right, guys, we talk about uh, the college game, and obviously we touched about it with Mike Pritchard a little bit the last hour. Urban Meyer is the head yeah. coach of Jacksonville. This is a situation that it's it's not ideal. It's not ideal at all because – you know, you had the, you have their owner, Shad Khan, who's came out a couple weeks ago and says that, you know, he's basically going to be like Jerry Jones and he's going to make these personnel decisions. You have no general manager right now. You just hired a a head coach that has no NFL coaching experience, and I'm not. You can't downplay that. And you have a horrible roster for the most part right now. A team that won what one game this year. I mean, a horrendous roster. You're going to get Trevor Lawrence. He could. There's no guarantee that he's going to be, you know, good immediately anyway. But Urban Meyer is going to have to assemble a ready-made NFL staff. And there's no guarantee this guy's going to be around. I mean, if you're the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, how can you comfortably say, hey, I want this guy. I want him to be my coach for the next 10 years. This guy has, you know, he left Florida. He left Ohio State. He had to take pauses out because of his health. Because he got burned out, uh, his family was very involved in those decision-making uh, opportunities, saying, hey, you need to step away. We need more time with the family. Your health isn't good. And now he's been away from the game. He's been in the broad, uh, you know, doing the studio work with Fox and everything. I just don't – he has no track record of saying, hey, uh, especially now he's older, you know, and is, uh, you know approaching 60. I don't know. I, I just don't understand this hire – and when Chad Khan says he's, you know, a legend here in Florida, we love him in Jacksonville. He's got, he's got, he's got great fans and everything here. Okay, that's fine. But bottom line is, man, you, you're going to have to run a, a, a football team, and there's so much improvement that Jacksonville needs everywhere. Well, it's a different game. The NFL is a different yeah. game. A lot of college coaches have not been successful there. Uh, last week, I we I asked Jay if they're trying to pull the the same move. Um, that Dallas did when they hired Jimmy Johnson uh, with the ability to go out and get that superstar quarterback, and they got Aikman at the time when that happens. I thought it was interesting that Pritchard mentioned that he, he reached out to Jimmy Johnson on that. He's been a winner everywhere he's been, Urban Meyer. There's no arguing his football pedigree. I believe it was Bowling Green. Is that right from the Mac? That's then where he, he started, went, correct. Then he went to Utah, yeah. then Florida, then Ohio State. He's won everywhere. Yeah. So there's no disputing the fact that the guy knows how to coach at that level. The NFL level going in, and does he have the ability and the health? I mean, he, he left Florida basically because he was said he was he was dying, I guess yeah. they said. Yeah. And then he went to Ohio State and got a championship there. Does he have the ability to go in and put in these 80, 100 hours to get this thing done, to get it where it is? And do they have the ability to move people like like I said before? They, they Dallas was 1-15. Aikman was lucky to survive that year. Mm-hmm. They made the big trade with Herschel Walker. There's no Herschel Walker eight for one trade out here on that Jacksonville lineup. So uh, it's going to be a lot longer of a of a, a process than people think. And does Urban Meyer have the stomach for that? Nick Saban didn't have the stomach for it when he went to the NFL. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really will wait and see. To me, uh, it, it's almost gimmicky, you know, but... Uh, 
if he could do it, it'd be another great story for him and a feather in his hat, but in his cap. But uh, I don't see it being a very big success story. And that's one of the things I wonder when um, Pritchard said it, and I've heard other reports too that he did talk to Jimmy Johnson and some other people. I wonder if that's one of the things that he talked about. You know, when Johnson said, "Look, you have to stay the course. You are going to start out with a team that isn't going to be very good. You're going to lose a lot more than you win." And he's not used to that. He didn't have to face that in college. Even when he was building up programs, he had a modicum of success at least at the start and then built them into perennial powerhouses even at Utah where you know they were undefeated I mean he had really good teams there so does he have the desire and drive is one of my questions not just the ability in that does he have the drive can he go through a season or two where they're under 500 and they're not competitive at all and they're looking at the draft is he going to have some say in some of the personnel on the club because I think that does mean a lot. If you're just going, here's my players, now I have to put them in someplace, and you don't believe in those players, that's a lot different. At Ohio State, he knew exactly who he was recruiting. He knew exactly what he was looking for. If Khan says, well, I know you're looking at this guy, but I like this guy, so that's who we're going to, I don't know how long he lasts there. Are they going to be cohesive? Is his input going to be respected, and is he going to have some say there? And how long can he go with losing before he builds him into a winner? And then the other big X factor, everybody's expected Trevor Lawrence to come in and be a Troy Aikman or a superstar quarterback. That's not a given. We don't know that for sure. He looked great, but... He was a favorite to win the Heisman the last two years. He didn't do it. They were one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the championship this year. They didn't do it. Trevor Lawrence has been really good, but in some of the big games, the last couple seasons anyhow, he hasn't been that superstar quarterback that has won a championship for his team. Can he do it in the NFL if he couldn't do it in college? And what are the expectations going to be? You have the number one draft pick and you have Urban Meyer there. Are expectations going to be unrealistic? Because they should still be incredibly low. And I don't know what they're going to be from the fan base or from Khan. And, and again, you're, you've hired a head coach before you've hired a general manager, which is usually not the way to go, to go about things. And we heard that Urban Meyer is, is starting to put together his staff. Uh, we have information that uh, one of the first guys that he's bringing on is former college coach Charlie Strong, who was at Texas and who was at Louisville. And actually, he was a defensive analyst with Alabama, you know. But we know Charlie Strong really hasn't had a whole bunch of success at the highest level. That's why, he, you know, he, he lost that Texas job. Yeah, he, he was a heck of a coordinator. Yeah. He did a pretty good job at Louisville. Uh, he's a focused individual. Right. And just but like again, Urban not Myers. an NFL guy. Yeah, you, you need these NFL guys. You know, and I'll give you an example. When you, sure, Urban Meyer was at Ohio State. He was at Florida, he, this and that. But this, this NFL thing is a whole different game altogether. And like you said, the, the 80, the 90 hours. I mean, I've personally seen these coaches who have got burned out with this. But you need to have NFL people around you. And I know he's going to hire some NFL people. There's, there's, he's got enough ties. I get that. But... It's wise to talk about having an NFL head coach or two on your staff to say, hey, this is how you want to handle this press conference. This is how you're going to want to have to deal with this player because of this situation. Because he's had not to deal with any of those type of issues at the NFL level. So he's going to, and I don't know with his ego and everything, if he's that type of guy that can, can maybe lean on somebody. But when you come into this, you need to put your ego aside and say, I need to surround myself with guys that have been in the NFL for quite some time. Uh, Pritch made a, a great point. We're talking about Gus Bradley, right? Well, John Gruden has got, you know, 
They've got two other guys on his staff that have been head coaches in the NFL. That says a lot. The speed of the NFL is unmatched when it comes to even at the superior SEC level. Uh, it's something that you can't prepare for. Uh, even when you watch it, it's, it's incredible for, to see the difference between the, the, the two leagues. There is no Vanderbilt on this on their schedule. <laughs> I don't care if it's the New York Jets. There is no Kentucky. There is no uh, even a, a Mississippi out there. These teams, everybody is very, very good. And so it's going to be really difficult to take that next step up if he doesn't have the right personnel and the right GM to do it. And, and he's not going to have carte blanche. So... Uh, you know, there, there's a salary cap. It's not going to be as easy as people think, and you want to celebrate that, Coach, but I, I, it's, it's going to be a struggle. We mentioned Jimmy Johnson. He's the only one I could really think of that did that elite-level step up to win. Barry Switzer kind of took over afterwards, but it was kind of Jimmy's team. But there, there really hasn't been any other college coaches that you can say have made that leap well, and been as successful, I mean, not over the last 20 years. Let's be fair. The Cowboys had some pretty good talent on that roster at, at that point in time as well, too. They're, and that's why Barry Switzer was hired. There you go. This yeah. is basically a, right. a a middle finger to Jimmy Johnson right. saying, I can win with or without you. Right. Yeah. And, and when it comes to him, if there is a Vanderbilt in the NFL, it's the Jags right now. So, <laughs> so you know, you, you don't want to be that team that everybody else is licking their chops to get to play. But, but it's also one thing that I do think we can see from his track record. He's not going to be that concerned about what players do off the field if they do perform on the field. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing with TMZ and everybody else out there these days. Right. We know that. Exactly. <laughs> no Prairie View A&M's, Brian? Is that what you're trying to say? What's huh? that? No Prairie View A&M's on the schedule? Is yeah, that what you're talking View. about? Prairie View, yes. They lost, like, 50, 60 in a row at one point. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the NFL is, they're all elite. Even the even the bad teams, you watch them play how fast and how they can beat you. Heck, the Jets beat the Rams, for crying out loud. The Rams are one of the top eight teams in the, in the league. There you go. All right, we come back. We'll dive into our best bets. We'll start breaking down all four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. It is the NFL Playoffs Divisional Round. T.C. Martin Show, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is a football Friday. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, in, in. The weekend is here. It is a football Friday live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. This is where you got to be. Come on down. Enjoy the ambience. Watch the games in style here at the Sportsbook powered by William Hill. And get the mobile app. If you haven't got the mobile app yet, it is so easy to use. Take advantage of all the opportunities they have, especially the in-game wagering, which is fantastic as well, too. But you download the app, the William Hill mobile app, and then you get over to one of the William Hill Properties, deposit money into a new account. If you deposit at least $50 into a new account, they will match it with an additional 50 bucks. It's free money to play with. Why not do it? Take advantage of the free money. you got to use the promo code TC50. That's right. Use that promo code TC50, and you will be in business with some free money. Wager on the games tomorrow. We've got the NBA, college basketball. It's all here for you. And uh, the William Hill mobile app is so easy to use. But back to what I was saying, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the food options, outstanding. If you haven't uh, been over here to check out Block 16, the grab-and-go, it's a great atmosphere, great, unique restaurants. And, of course, you know, you've got your fine dining here as well. Uh, it, it's all here for you at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And Double B, it, it's been a while since you and I went to the Henry, and we went to the Henry last week. Oh, yeah. My goodness gracious, the uh, the French toast, the uh, the French onion soup. I couldn't make up my mind if I wanted breakfast or lunch, and you said, oh, get them both. Get them both. They're, get them both. Why and, not? Yeah, and yeah. then you finally had the Henry Burger, and that was the uh, Henry Burger. Out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Outstanding. The Henry yeah. Burger. Yeah. 
What's that, bacon jam on the Henry burger? The bacon jam. It's a tasty burger. It's as good as you're going to find. <laughs> oh it's look a sleeper in there at the Henry. Enjoy it any time. Look at these guys. Got their mouths watering here. Yeah. You know, just talking about it. There yeah. it is. But, uh, no, you can't you can't beat it. The food options second to none here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. So come on by, visit, and they've got great uh, gaming options and again, just a great atmosphere all together here. And, again, uh, props to you guys for uh, – you know, trucking through this uh, just very positively, too, with, with the COVID and the way everything is. And uh, everyone's got masks on, and it's, it, it, it's great, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what, we want to uh, have a safe but fun gaming environment and uh, uh, come down and enjoy. We have our protocols, wear your mask, follow the social distancing, but you could still have a great time mm -hmm. here at the Cosmopolitan, especially with all the great football and hockey back on. That's right. Yeah, the, the only thing higher than the uh, NFL totals these days is the number of pitches you take of food every week. Yeah. And, and your point is, like, there's something wrong with Just that? Just making a statement. Yeah, well, <laughs> if the food wasn't so good, then I wouldn't be, wouldn't be doing that. But there you go. All right, guys, uh, NFL playoffs. We're going to get to our best bets here pretty soon. But let's uh, briefly uh, talk about each game here. All right, Packers, a seven-point favorite against the Rams. Jared Goff is in. Wofford is out. Blake Bortles is now the backup for Jared Goff. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I'm thinking we're seeing Blake Bortles in this game, either for the you know Goff's injury comes comes back to to haunt him or hurt him here, and he may have to leave, or basically for being ineffective here. Uh, th I think the Rams' season it's it's time for it to come to an end. We've seen them lose to some lesser opponents. The Packers have been on fire. Uh, you're laying seven here at Lambeau Field. I know people are on the Rams here. That's why this line is going down. It's currently six and a half. It's been fluctuating between six and a half and seven. But people are buying into this Rams defense, which I understand. But they haven't faced a offense like they're facing with this Packers, a complete offense. And we definitely know the Seattle Seahawks, the Rams got their number. And they proved that again last week. But they're not going to be sacking Roger, uh, Aaron Rodgers like they did Russell Wilson six or seven times. Yeah, I, uh, I bought in on the Rams. I, I think the Rams are a, a well-coached team. I think they've been there uh, and, and experienced. I think they have the defensive front uh, with Donald and, and, and other exceptional players out there. And they're going to put a lot of pressure on Rodgers. And he's going to have to get rid of the ball a little sooner than he thought. And maybe, maybe they produce some early turnovers and, and get the game uh, on their side where they can dictate the pace. That's where I see the game going. I think that seven points is a lot of points in this football game. I think I look for a very low-scoring Los Angeles Rams style of game. Personally, that's how I see it going. I like their defense. I loved them last week against Chidi Petey and the, and the Seahawks, <laughs> and they took them out no problem. And I think they'll do the same thing this weekend. I told you they're going to go ahead and beat Seattle. They're going to go out and beat this Green Bay team. Boom. Look at this. Yeah. If we do see Blake Borders for the Rams, I don't think that's a good sign necessarily for the Rams. Oh, no. That's I, I think they're hoping yeah. that um, yeah. that Goff can play there. Because remember, Bortles wasn't on the roster last week, so they only went with the two, two, two quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And once Walford got hurt, they had to go with yeah. Goff the rest of the game there. There were reports that he was still trying to pick up the offense, so I don't know what kind of command he'd have if they would have to dumb down the game a little bit and take some plays out for him. I think that if the Rams are going to be in this game, yeah, their defense has to play like people are expecting them to play to be in this game. But I think one of the big things is Cooper Cup, and I've, known, I've mentioned him before. He's expected to play this game. If he can be effective and make those possession things and help move the chains here and there and keep Rodgers and that offense off the field, I think that's a huge plus for the Rams. If he gets hurt again, if he's not playing in the game, I think that's a huge loss for them. I think he's one of the, maybe the 
unsung guys for this team in their offense because he does so many different things out there. But the one thing he does that's the most important for that offense is he helps make the possession receptions and he moves the chains. And that's what you need. Keep Rodgers and the Packers off the field so your defense can be fresh the entire game. Yeah, I think they had like a seven-minute drive in the third quarter against the Seahawks, if memory serves, it culminating in a touchdown to put the game away. But, uh, you know, they are, they're a risk-taking defense, too. That guy jumped that wide receiver screen and was gone. I mean, that was... <laughs> That was pretty unbelievable yeah. for a guy to get out there that fast. And so uh, they're prepared. They're very prepared. They're going to know what to expect from this team. And they're going to go out and they're going to give it their all. Is it enough? Who knows? Goff, I thought it was interesting when he came in. They said about every fourth ball he throws, it comes out awkwardly. Yes. And that's scary. Exactly. If it doesn't come out correctly, exactly. Exactly. you know, it is a week going to correct that yeah. where that doesn't happen anymore. So that's my biggest worry is, is, is can Goff really grip the ball and get it to where he needs to yeah. go? And he sure did enough last week, right. and he maintained the game. And Frank's right on the money with Cooper Cup. I agree. He, he is the key. The, that's the intangible, you know, for me if the Rams are going to have success. And I'm not saying Bortles is better than, than Goff. I'm not saying that. I say Bortles only gets in the game if Goff can't go with injury or you know, he is so ineffective. But, uh, again, that's again we saw Wofford. We never expected that John yeah. Wofford would start a playoff game, so well, we'll it, see. It was Cup and their tight ends. Their tight ends were, were yes. used quite well yeah. in that game against Seattle. And so. Aker has been fantastic in the running game, too. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think it's a close game. I think it's low score, and I think you get to 21 points, you're going to win this game. Baltimore-Buffalo is the game, guys, that has oh, seen great two-way action here. Buffalo, two-and-a-half, three. The line's right there. You can even, you know, you could lay three. It's it's even money there. Buffalo tough as, as nails at home. And again, for me, which quarterback? Because they both have been somewhat surprises this year. Jackson and Allen. Allen's had a couple, you know, I don't want to say horrendous years, but from a completion percentage, the bottom of the NFL. But this year, he's been very, very good. But we know in big games, both these guys tend to make mistakes. And they're both young. They're both 25 years old. We'll see what happens here. Yeah, uh, Buffalo is lucky to be here. Let's face it, Frank Wright called a terrible game last week. Yeah. Indianapolis was the better team on the field. He left way too many points on the on the on the on the field and they just they they should have won that game. Phillip Rivers played very, very well. They ran over Buffalo. So Buffalo's got a grip now. They're at home and they're expected to win this game. I think you're going to see a far better Buffalo effort uh, from that uh, kind of no-name team that they have there uh, with with Allen. And I I really think Buffalo's the right side. It's already in uh, uh, Lamar's head about the snow and the cold. He's mentioning it. It's the last thing you want to do when you're getting ready for to get in this game because he's already got an excuse built into it. Yeah, uh, both of these quarterbacks are trying to um, get that monkey off their back, get a big win in a playoff in a big game like you mentioned. Whichever one comes up big in this game and plays like they're capable of when they're playing their best games, I think that team wins it. I do think Buffalo maybe even has a little bit more pressure on them because they have been so good all season long, and they are at home, and they are going to have those fans in the stands. It's not going to be a packed stadium, but there's going to be some people there. It almost seems like Baltimore's going in there going, you know what, we can play the spoiler here, and we can win on the road. If we're going to continue on in the playoffs, we have to keep on winning on the road. So I think it's a big game for them from that standpoint, but to me it comes comes down to which quarterback outplays the other one. 100% totally agree with that. Cleveland and Kansas City Sunday at 12.05. The Chiefs a nine-and-a-half point choice right now. This game fluctuating between nine-and-a-half and ten. Cleveland has always been a public betting team. Even when the Browns were winless years ago, people would all hammer this team. And now that they're good, they're going to continue to get support at the window. Heck, this thing may even drop to nine. I don't know. But, I mean, Kansas City, again, 
people are saying, hey, this team hasn't covered you know, one game in the, in the last eight. I understand that. But give Andy Reid the time to, to prepare. As we know what his record is after the bye, it, it's, it's crazy. But the Chiefs here, I just don't see how Cleveland is going to be able to stop the Kansas City offense because I think Kansas City is now going to be a little bit refocused. But the Browns are playing good football. They can run the ball. they got a good offensive line. This is an intriguing game. And, again, this is the best Browns team we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, uh, everything went right for Cleveland in the first period, or first quarter last week. Uh, All those turnovers, things, uh, before you knew it, it was 28-nothing. But really, their defense is not very good, is what it comes down to. Uh, you got a rested Kansas City team. Uh, this would be a typical spot where I would love to take the points. But there is virtually no, unless Cleveland gets the ball and runs and takes 8 to 10 minutes off the clock every time, culminating in a touchdown, I can't see them hanging with Kansas City because their defensive side of the ball, they're not even close. Right. KC should score every time they have the ball. Uh, to me, this game comes down to if Cleveland's going to win this game, they do have to make those long, sustained drives. They have to keep that offense off the field for Kansas City and maybe get a turnover or two in a game. We see special teams and turnovers play a big part in this. They have to try to win that field position game. They can't let Kansas City go and score quick. They can't have to come from behind. They've got to stay close this entire game. If it gets out of hand, I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield and Cleveland have the weapons to come back from behind. But if they can keep it close, I think they want this game around tied or at least really close going into the fourth quarter and then see what happens from there. All right. The, the uh, Both quarterbacks uh, in this game, very young, Baker Mayfield and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then you look at Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, these guys all 24, 25 years old. But that's not the case. The last game of the weekend, the Senior Citizen Bowl, if you want to call it or whatever. Huh? Oh, happy birthday, Drew Brees today. 42 today. Takes on 43-year-old Tom Brady. Again, the Saints are a three-point favorite. I go back to the November 8th game, 38-3. to The, the uh, Saints just crushed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was later in the season. That's why I, I point this game out. They played, you know, week number one, and, you know, Tampa Bay kept it kind of close, but Brady was off target. It was just kind of ugly. But that late in the season, getting drilled like that, again, this seems like kind of a gift. If you like the Saints, you're only laying three? I'm, I don't know. I, hey, Brady's a nice story. The GOAT, I understand all that. He's got some great weapons. But still, this, this team's playing better as of late. But I think they still got some question marks. The, 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 to me, the, the, the point spread is suspiciously low. Uh, I, I didn't make heads and tails. I'm not a huge Saints fan. Uh, however, you know, you just don't know what you get with the Buccaneers. They've beaten a lot of subpar football teams. And the Saints, their win over the Bears, what a lackluster effort that was. So uh, I don't know. I, if you made me pick the game, which is this the game I did not play, uh, I, I would just take the home team. I would take the Saints uh, on their turf and on the uh, artificial in the dome. Uh, Tampa Bay and Brady have been playing better, but like you guys have mentioned several times, they've only beaten one team with a winning record all season long. The Saints seem to have their number, and for that reason alone, and the fact also that Drew Brees, if all the retirement talk is true, and I do believe it probably is true, I would hope that every single person in that locker room is going to go out there and try to keep him involved in the playoffs as long as they can. Win one for Drew, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just think that the Saints, they say it's tough to beat a good team three times in the same season. I'm not sure how good Tampa Bay is against quality clubs. All right, time to break it down with our best bets. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. 
All right, we are giving you three of our top plays in the NFL divisional round. Two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. The Rams and Packers at 1.30. The Packers favored by 7. 5.15, it's Baltimore at Buffalo. Buffalo minus 3. Sunday at 12.05, it kicks off in Kansas City. The Chiefs now a 9.5 point favorite over the Browns. And then 3.40, Tampa Bay at New Orleans, where the Saints are favored by 3. Sides, totals, bring it on. VGK Frank, give us your 3. All right, well, I'm going to start out in uh, the one that I hope I lose every week. And uh, the Packers, I'm going to give up those six and a half. Uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers and company, as good as uh, the Rams' defense is, I just think there's too much here. Goff, too questionable in this game. I don't know if he can perform. And in the cold weather there, i got to go with the Packers, and we'll see what happens in the game. Cleveland, 10 points to me. That is a lot of points, and I don't want Sean Porter on my bad side. So I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to take Cleveland. I'm drinking the red Kool-Aid, I guess, that uh, Kansas City can't cover. So this will be the week that they come out and they win by 40 points or something. And then the last game, I like the Saints. I like Drew Brees and company. I think they have Tampa Bay's number. I'll give up the three points here. Is it a trap game? Guess we'll find out. Usually don't have trap games in the playoffs when your season comes down I to mean, it. From it the means everything. I mean from the sports right. book with the three-point line. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't make heads or tails of that and, game. And so I think I it, it is only three because, like we talked about, I think the, the Brady factor just weighs heavily into the odds makers, and it weighs heavily into the betting public as well, too. But if we line this thing up, guys, like we said, I mean, the, it is – Capable and easy, like we talked with T.J. Reid yesterday, to beat a team three times. If you're if you're two and zero and you've dominated them the first two times, usually because you have better personnel, you have better schemes, and you just have better matchups. We saw that with the Rams and the 49ers this year. The Rams could not beat the 49ers. So. For people to say, hey, they can't beat a three-time, of course they can. And yeah, they probably and, will. And what did TJ tell us yesterday? Since 92, that's happened 21 times. Right. The teams with the two wins get the third one 14 out of the 21. Yep. It's actually a 66% or 67% advantage for them to win that third time. Look at ballpark in his math. Frank with superior math. <laughs> right here on the show. That's outstanding. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'm up. I'm going to go with the uh, the dog in the first game. I like the Rams. I like the Rams to not only cover this game, I like them to win the game. I think that their defense is going to make something happen just like they did last week. Uh, I think they're going to control the ball, and you're not going to have Rodgers on the field as much. So uh, I like the Rams there. They held uh, a good Seattle team down, and they'll do it again this week. Uh, I'm going to take the second game. I'm going to take the favorite. I'm going to take the Bills. I think that uh, it's already in, uh, like I said before, in Jackson's head uh, that uh, it's going to be cold and snowy and he's never done it. And, and Buffalo, they're going to redeem themselves for a real lackluster effort, but they got the win. Survive in advance. Jim Belvano used to say right. that. There it is. Then I, I, I see an absolute blowout in the first game uh, on uh, on Sunday. I, I, I usually don't like to lay the points. I usually like to take them. Chiefs will win this game, and they'll win by 30, 40 points. I think it's just... Uh, Cleveland got their big big show last week in the first quarter and then kind of held on. It's all Mahomes and company. Uh, Casey, lay the number. Double B, Brian Benowitz. You and I are on two out of the three games. We are in unison, my friend. But the one we differ on, of course, is at Lambeau Field. Maybe a Lardo burger or the or the Henry burger with the bacon jam is 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 on the line here. All it's right, up to you, you got my it. friend. Seven points, guys. Look at now. 
I see six and a half. I, said it's been I seven. see six and a half. What did I list you when I sent it to you? I think it was seven. <laughs> All right. Hey, here we go. Rams and Packers. Yes, I like the Packers in the game. Green Bay has been a scoring machine, scoring at least 30 points per game, averaging 31 on the season. Let's remember, folks, the Packers have won nine in a row. And this defense, let's talk about them for a second. They're underrated. Held their last three opponents to 16 points, 14, and 16. And they are at home. And guess what? 6,000 Packer fans will be allowed to come into Lambeau Field. Personally, I think they can allow more. But anyway, we will have fans at Lambeau Field. Hey, the Rams have struggled on offense. They haven't scored over 20 points the last three games. They lost to some bad teams. I circle the Jets, Miami, and San Francisco twice. The Rams' D is solid, but they have been shredded by lesser opponents, by those guys we just said. Key matchup here, Aaron Donald against center Corey Lindsey. He's an all-pro. We have seen uh, times this year where Aaron Donald was kind of quiet. I think this is going to be one of those games where Corey Lindsey is going to get the assignment and he will take care of Donald. Corey Lindsey, one of the best centers in the NFL. So I'm going to take the Packers. Do not look for Aaron Donald to have a huge game. And I don't think Jalen Ramsey is going to have a big game as well, too. So I'm going to lay it with the Pack. I'm with you, Double B. Buffalo, and I said it last week. I'll say it again. Go, go, Buffalo. Go, go, Buffalo. Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. Allen had his breakthrough season, 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns this year, 421 rushing yards, and another eight TDs on the ground. Last week, 26 for 35, 324 yards, two touchdowns, plus he ran for 54. Buffalo scored 56 points last week, 38 the week before, 48 the week before that. Buffalo's won six straight games. Let's don't forget about that. And aside from that Hail Mary thing, this guy, this team would have a 10-game winning streak. They've won nine out of the last 10. They are at home. They have fans at home. Uh, they're they're playing for a big picture. You know, the, the futility that they've had there. Uh, I think this is Buffalo's year to a certain degree. I think they take care of Buffalo. And as far as Baltimore goes, you know, I'm not still sold on Lamar Jackson. And Baltimore's faced a very soft uh, Tennessee defense last week. Buffalo's going to be much tougher. Still don't trust Jackson. I think, you know, uh, he, he's limited what he can do, passing the football. They limited Jackson last year when they played him, uh, 40 yards on 11 rushes. He only threw for 146 yards when they played last year. And guess what, Double B? It was a revenge game because Baltimore beat Buffalo last year. You know how we like the revenge. So I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills in this one. And I'm with you. I think it's roll Kansas City over Cleveland. It's time for Kansas City to show up. Uh, they had the bye week to refocus. We know what Andy Reid's record is after the bye week. It is 24-5. and five. Kansas City has too much offense, and I think when you look at all of the wide receivers, they have specifically Tyree Kill, Kelsey at the tight end, Hardman and company. It's just a bad matchup for the Cleveland defense all the way around. Cleveland rushing game, it's a great rushing game when you look at what they got with Chubb and Kareem Hump. But guess what? It's not going to matter if you fall behind. I think you said that yourself. So uh, this is a statement game for Kansas City. It's finally, you know, time for them to throw one of these 42 to 17 games. We haven't seen it. They haven't beat anybody in the last six weeks by more touchdown. They are at home. They are rested. The, the Cleveland defense is atrocious. I think that Cleveland, that rather that Kansas City should have their way. 
with the Browns. All right, those are our best bets. Uh, you can see all of our picks up on the website, along with our tag team partners, Scott Spritzer at Doc Sports, Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity, and uh, Adam Joseph from Opportunity Village. Go to the website, check out the best bets up there at tcmartinshow.com, along with the articles, the interviews, uh, they're all up there on the website, so make sure that you check that out. All right, guys, good deal. We got, uh, we got football this weekend, two games Saturday, two games Sunday, the Golden Knights tomorrow night against the uh, Anaheim Ducks, and uh, Double B, give me a score in that game. Uh, Golden Knights going to be 2-0? Yeah, I think they're going to be 2-0. I think they're going to come out with a little better uh, effort right out of the shoot, and I think they would take the game 4-1. to one. All right. Frank? Um, I, I'm kind of on the same page as uh, Brian is there. Uh, the, the, Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights are the better team here. They're playing at home again. They want to get this start off with uh, with four points to start the season. Mm-hmm. And they're home heavy. I think they play 12 mm-hmm. of their first 16 games at home. They have to keep on beating teams on home ice, and they have to keep on te- beating teams that are not as good as them to stay in touch with Colorado because their goal is to win this division. You don't want to be in that second or third slot and have to play St. Louis or Colorado in that first round. They want to win this division. To do that, you have to beat the teams that you should beat. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think they'll do tomorrow night. All right, some baseball news. We mentioned that we were talking to Chris Bosio the other day that, you know, today was uh, uh, the, the deadline for arbitration and teams, all that sort of thing. The Cubs have come to an agreement with Chris Bryant, uh, Javi Baez, and also Wilson Contreras and Zach Davies. Baez going to get $11.65 million this year. Chris Bryant, 19.5. Contreras, uh, 6.65. And Zach Davies, 8.63. So they avoid arbitration. So uh, the Cubs saying, okay, maybe not going to give you long-term deals, but we want to try to keep the bulk of this team together for a season. So uh, we'll hear a lot more of that with uh, uh, baseball here in the next uh, week or so. And we'll have Chris Bosio, uh, Steve Sachs on with us like we did this week as well too so yeah get out here to the cosmopolitan this weekend come out here to watch the games no better place to to for the viewing and the eating and the, the gaming of course here at the cosmopolitan of las vegas so guys we appreciate uh, as always double b brian benowitz and uh vgk frank again we'll be back on the air monday at two o'clock remember monday through friday two to four p.m and we are here at the cosmopolitan of las vegas each and every friday uh with our football friday edition in hockey edition as well too two to four p.m so come on out and, vo- uh, and see the show live in person here at the cosmopolitan of las vegas All and right. go to the window and take advantage of that william hill deal for the tc50 thank you man you yeah. gotta do that and not right. to mention tc you, you didn't bet avenue to france last time six to one six to one morning line again grade three aster stakes santa anita race seven on sunday she's gonna be real tough she's gonna be tough to beat she's gonna be real tough from the rail van oh. dyke on are we gonna get six to one at post time you think uh, you'll forget really? it's a very talented uh, group of fillies running so You'll get probably somewhere between four and six to one. Avenue de France. Avenue de France. On the turf. On Uh, the turf. Mile and a half. I like it. Beautiful. All right, guys. We appreciate you joining us. Like I said, miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcbartshow.com. Have yourself a great weekend, and we will catch you Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy your football. Enjoy it all. And we will catch you next week.